This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're super necessary. God, Eric, my God! Unbelievable! Hello and welcome back to Super Necessary. Today I'm delighted to say that we have joining us is uh, Mr. Ray Thompson, the man behind, the brains behind Almighty Fighting Championships. How are you doing, Ray? Oh, very good, thank you. And appreciate the uh, introduction and thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Pleasure's all ours. Um, everything going well leading up to the to the event and it's only a couple of weeks away now. But yeah, we've got, as it stands, we've got 20, 26 fights. There's one lad who's lost his opponent who's from MMA Academy, so I'm just trying to get him somebody. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, a you know, the, the card's looking solid. We've got seven pro fights. We did have eight. We lost our main event, unfortunately, uh, which was a shame. But uh, we've got seven of the pro fights, and they're all good fights, and they're covered with uh, fighters from Liverpool as well, which is which is what I wanted. I wanted to put as many Liverpool pros on as possible because we get such good support from the Liverpool gyms, uh, as you guys would know that you've been to the show previously. I know you speak to a lot of Liverpool gyms and, you know, I'm quite lucky. They speak quite highly about me and what Almighty does. So I wanted to be able to give back and get some of their pros to run out as well. And uh, we brought quite a few international opponents in just so I can get the Liverpool lads on the card. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, is the many more announcements to come for fans or...? Uh, the, the fight card's pretty much fully booked, is, is fully confirmed now. So there might be the odd poster to come out, but there's no announcements as such. Uh, I've just posted the full fight card today on my Facebook and on my Facebook page. Uh, but that's the only thing I'll be doing now, basically, is just replacing anyone that pulls out. Because uh, yes. it's the nature of, of, of the game, unfortunately. So, yeah, that's the fight card as it stands. 26 fights, seven pro fights. We've got three amateur title fights. Uh, the rest is amateur. Um, and it will just be a matter of just responding to what goes on now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get that fight card shared up on our socials for you as well. Thank you. Um, Make sure everybody knows what to look out for and what what's to come. Um, so normally with with our interviews, what we the first question we kind of ask everybody is, um, how did you get started in MMA? But what was did you have a background in MMA at all before you started Almighty? Basically, my my background in MMA is just as a super fan. Hmm. So I started following the sport back in uh, around two thousand. So we're going back twenty odd years which makes me feel really old. Uh, so I started following when I was when I was early 20s. And of course, when I started following it, it wasn't really recognised as a sport, not like it is now. Yeah. So I'd be watching this thing on... I'd be, I'd, it, it used to be on the Bravo back back in the day, but it was a, a rerun. So that it, that you'd have to... You only had an event like every three months back then. 
you have the event on a Saturday night and they, they show an edited version on the Sunday evening. Uh, so like 24 hours later. So I used to watch it on, the, on Bravo. And then I used to try and get hold of the events on disc. I used to be able to get on uh, like burned copies of them and I'd watch them. So I started watching it around, it was around UFC 38, which is when it came to England. So I watched that and obviously liked it. So I went back uh, around that time. I found the internet uh, and I found eBay. And there was a guy, guys on there that used to sell the pirate copies of the old UFCs. So I went back and brought the whole back catalogue of UFC. There's only about 40 events up to that point. I watched them all in chronological order and then basically followed it from then up to present day. So I've seen all the events from present day to now. Uh, around two, oh God, around 2012, maybe, I started doing, I had the opportunity to do a, a podcast, which is like, like what you guys are doing now. And I started a podcast called the MMA Mental Podcast. And it was me and my mate. And what we used to do, we used to just get on there together and talk a little bit of shit about MMA, you know, talk about the upcoming UFC cards, give our predictions, you know, like you, like you do. Yeah. And then we thought we'd started reaching out and getting interviews. And we started reaching out to some UK guys. And uh, <clears throat> our first ever interview was Rob C. Four Sinclair. Our second one was James Doolan. And we were just getting, we were like kind of reaching out to UK names to try and get them on an interview, a bit like what you guys are doing. And then we thought, you know what, let's try and message some UFC people and see if we can message if we're going to view UFC fighters. And again, there wasn't as many UK guys in the UFC back then, but we started messaging them on Twitter. And before you knew it, we were interviewing everybody and anybody from the world of UFC. So I interviewed so many famous fighters from UFC, uh, other people that were involved with UFC that weren't fighters like Big John McCarthy and Bruce Buffer, uh, other famous fighters from outside of UFC, uh, guys that were on their way up. So I spoke to people like Stephen Miocic before he was champion, got to interview Tyson Fury, which was, which was pretty cool. And off the back of doing all that, um, I um, saw someone do a post on Facebook saying they'd like to do an MMA fight. They'd like to fight against somebody who who wasn't who didn't who wasn't training to fight, but would train just to do this fight. And I saw that post. I've always been quite a big guy. I've always been overweight. At that point, I was around about twenty stone. And I saw the post. I thought, you know what? I'd like to have a go. Motivation to lose a bit of weight and then get in there and, and have a fight. So I I messaged him, and from there on, we signed up to fight. So I, I started doing a training camp. I lost five stone in 20 weeks. I come in at 15 stone. Uh, me and him fought at Ellen Road at Leeds United Football Ground. Uh, it was a, obviously we did it. We did an amateur, uh, amateur B rule set. So there was no head strikes on the ground. Uh, he won a decision, but it was a real good fight. And that guy that I fought, his name Stephen Mayer, who was the guy who I used to run Almighty with, who now runs BMF. So it was from that fight that Almighty was formed after that. So that's my background in MMA. And um, how mad was it for you? So just to get sort of your idea, when you mentioned the podcast there, so when you started thinking about UFC fighters and then you were getting them, what was your thoughts at that time? Because obviously you were a super fan and you're like, oh, we're going to be speaking to UFC fighters because we've been a bit like that, like we can actually speak to these people. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of kind of mad. But what was your when, when yeah, the same. So I mean, everything, everything I do within MMA is like it just—it all still feels very surreal to me. I mean, like the the amount of people I got to interview. We, I was doing about—I was probably interviewing about ten people a week at one point because mm. I was so prolific with it. Because I had a lot of—I had a lot of spare time because uh, I was a single parent. So when my when my uh, child was in bed in the evenings, I would be sitting there in the evenings with nothing to do. Obviously, I wasn't going anywhere because I had to be at home. So I was sitting there doing that. I was doing the podcast. So I, I interviewed so many, and there's so many names that I interviewed that. Even now, I think back, I throw names out there. It was, I mean, uh, 
there's just so many. It was crazy. I mean, just thinking now, I interviewed Hanzo Gracie. I've got to interview some some of the biggest names in the sport in the sport. But, but like, so that was all very surreal, and I did love it. But even now, doing the shows, like when I'm setting up the shows, and just just before a show is about to start, sometimes I'll stand and look around me, and I still I'm still in awe. Mm-hmm. Look at what's going on around me. I look at the people in there, the, the coaches I'm getting to work with, the fighters I'm getting to work with. Because so, obviously. A lot of the fighters I've worked with are very early on in their career, but some of them I know are going to go on to be superstars and to be able to give them a platform where they can start, which is a good platform for them. So I still find the whole thing surreal, but I just love doing it. I just love I just love having any involvement with mixed martial arts. Yeah. And um, how, how much, so, so when you started Almighty, like you mentioned it a bit there, but how much has, has it changed UK MMA since you started? I mean, was it quite difficult to get matchups at the start compared to now, obviously, or was it? Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think UK MMA has changed that much since I started doing this. I think, uh, I think the big thing that's changed from before I did it is like shows like mine now, and there's not just me, there's other shows out there. There's other good shows out there. The equivalent was, was much smaller shows in the back of nightclubs where shows like ours now at our level are coming in straight to nice venues, mm. you know, Places like the Olympia, which obviously you've been to, you know, the Metrodome, Rainton Arena. So I think there's a much better image now for for the smaller regional shows. Uh, and with regards to getting matches, it, yeah, it was harder back then, but that's because I hadn't built a network up. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. the longer I've been going, and I think we might have been going for about six years now, the more of a network we've built. And I've got a real good network in the north, but also more people know who we are. So a lot of time, if I can message someone and mention the show, you know, anywhere in the UK, they already know of the show. They've already heard of the show and they've already heard, in most cases, good things about the show. So I feel like at the minute we're obviously doing uh, Northwest in Liverpool. We're doing North, uh, North East in Sunderland. We're doing Yorkshire in Barnsley. I feel like I could go to other parts of the country and build up in them as well, because we've already got a reputation for, for, for doing things correctly and, and being good at what we do. And I think we could literally move somewhere else and start and build up build up in that area and that's something I might, might do in the future but yeah definitely it was harder then but that's because I didn't have the network rather than because of the scene yeah um, so like you mentioned there that there are a lot of other great promotions out there in the UK regional scene at the moment obviously you've got yourselves almighty you've got the likes of UK I've seen and Cage Steel and among many others do you think right now this is the strongest UK scene we've had outside of the major promotions yeah, absolutely. And I think it's only going to get stronger. I mean, like I say, years and years ago, you didn't have shows that were as consistent as what, you know, you mentioned us, uh, you mentioned UKFC, I'd like to mention Golden Ticket. You didn't have shows like that around. They weren't they weren't as common as what they are now. And I just think, obviously, as the, as the popularity is growing in the sport as well, the standard has got a lot higher. So, like, when I first started doing the shows, I was really shocked at the standard of the amateur scene, as in how good it was. You look at the amateur scene now, even like at this current stage, and I know we can talk about Liverpool just, just alone. But if you look at people that have recently come through and turned pro, people like Marlon Jones, Leo McCracken, if you look at what we've currently got in Liverpool now, and straight away I think of Curtis Campbell and Connor Walsh, I mean, you're talking about like real, real talent. I mean, all four of those names I've just mentioned could potentially make it onto, onto the world stage. They, they could potentially make it to the UFC in the future. I mean, we just had Leon's debut. Uh, back in uh, in January, and he looked absolutely fantastic. He looked so good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's so much talent uh, at the at the bottom end of the UK, and there's so much talent in the amateurs. I mean, like the the, the top end of the amateurs for me, they're like already mid level pros. 
Like you look at someone like Curtis Campbell and George Staines, of course, they're already mid-level pros. They're not fighting at mid-level pro, but they already are mid-level pro. I mean, they can come in as a pro, and they could probably fight pros that have had five or six fights and they'd still be favourites to win that fight. Yeah. I think people get misled by the term amateur. You know, I think an amateur in MMA isn't the same as like being an amateur in football or something like that. The, the level is so much higher as an amateur MMA fighter these days because they're all training with pros anyway. They're training with the same people as the pros. So I agree. I was exactly the same as yourself. I was absolutely shocked by how good the amateur scene was in, in the UK right now. I was, I was gobsmacked, to be honest with you. Yeah. In eye opening for me, it really has, but in a good way. Definitely. Um, so what, one one thing you mentioned there, we did have a, a, a question about expanding and going into more, more cities. You mentioned about going into the, the south. Is there any sort of areas you, you're looking at in particular as, as almighty expands? So what, what I did last year, and obviously things were kind of put on hold because of the pandemic, but what my what my plan was always been was to always do the 12 months, the 12 shows in 12 months. It was something I sat down with and spoke to Neil Hall about, who, of course, uh, you know, is, is a famous referee who, who passed away during the pandemic. So it meant that bit more to me because I talked to him about it. And he was, as always, as he always was when I spoke to him, he was very encouraging. It's something I really had set in my mind that I wanted to do. And I had it set out to do last year, but obviously that got prevented because of the pandemic. So we didn't get back till August, but we still managed to get four shows in the last the back end of the year. So I've come out this year with wanting to do the 12, which is what I'm going to do. I mean, we've already done two. I'm already working on the next three. And as I finish a show, I'll start working on the next one in that area. So I've got a role in three shows at a time. But yeah, what I'll do halfway through the year, so around June or July time, I'll start looking at my schedule for next year because I like to get my schedule mapped out for the full year so I know where I'm going to be. And what I did last time was I put a post out uh, asking for areas. What, you know, who wants, where do you want to see where might you go? Recommend cities and venues. And then what I'll do is I'll wait and see what kind of reaction get back off those posts. If I get like an area and I've got quite a lot of people saying that area, then it makes sense for me to look into. Uh, but yeah, I would like to expand. I mean, I had plans to go to Scotland. That fell through because of pandemic. Uh, I, I had plans to go to North Wales. Because we have quite a lot of North Welsh students come over anyway because of, uh, of how close it is to Liverpool. But that fell through because of pandemic. I looked at Northampton, Coventry, uh, Bristol. Uh, I even looked up as far as Cornwall. So I'm open to go anywhere in the UK, really. I'd like to see uh, what what's out there. And I, like I said, I do think that we could pick up and go somewhere else. And I think that the area would get behind us because we've got such a good reputation. I think, And I think they would help us. I think they would welcome us there. And I think the gyms would want to put their fighters on because they want to get onto that, onto, onto that show. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. Yeah. Um, so just talking about sort of other promotions again and how you see the rise of Almighty Govan. Do you look at a promotion like Cage Warriors and them having such a positive relationship with the UFC? Is that some is that a company you you sort of look at and think this is where I want Almighty to be in the next two or three years or so, maybe a bit longer? But yeah, I mean I've always I've got a very clear view of of, of how you know the pecking order is within MMA within the UK and for me the UFC will always be the best no matter what comes about in the world just because of the history you've got with the UFC I think the closest we ever had to UFC was Pride Fighting Championship that was seen as on being on a level but no other show that's come around has ever been on the same level as UFC there's other good shows out there but not on the same level and then when you come to the UK for me you know the, the main shows in the UK were Cage Warriors and Bama of course Bama's gone so now Cage Warriors again is the main one but again they've got the history they've had I think something like 100 fighters that have gone on from Cage Warriors to UFC, which is absolutely amazing. So I don't really look at Cage Warriors and look at Almighty as, and look at as being, as being on the same level as Cage Warriors. That's not somewhere where 
maybe that will change in the future. But for now, that's not so where I'm aiming for. What I look at is after Cage Warriors, there's a massive pool of shows. There's some real good shows, shows that are doing things right with the way they run, the way that they do the matching and things like that. Uh, and I want to be in that bracket of shows. But what, what I want to do kind of is become is, be, is become the next standout show behind Cage Warriors. And I feel like obviously we got quite a lot of recognition last year for the four shows we did. And I feel like we're on track to do that. There is other good shows out there, uh, you know, and there's some real good shows out there. But I feel like we're one of the one of the best, if not the best, of the shows behind Cage Warriors. That's how I see Almighty. Yeah, yeah. And you feel like that, like maybe eventually that could be a path. So sort of start on Almighty and then Cage Warriors and then you know there's a path there to to UFC. Yeah, well. I mean that that yeah, I mean I'd love to, you know, if if that was if that was a a, a way we were going i don't think that would be a, a bad thing at all if we if people go from cage from uh, almighty to cage warriors or from Almighty or from almighty or even from almighty to bellator because obviously bellator does the mm. the uk and european cars so they kind of uh, they've kind of replaced what Bama used to do basically uh so yeah so that that i mean for me i'd, I'd be quite happy being you know in, in that area i just want to keep doing what we're doing keep putting on good shows you know i get so much positive feedback after each show from from people that are there you know, from from the staff that work the show, from the, the teams involved with the show, and from the people that have brought tickets. So, if I keep doing that and keep keep doing it right, then I just feel that we're just going to get better and better and better. And I mean, we've gone from doing seventy five percent capacity to doing over one hundred percent now. So that's great for me. That's what I wanted to do, and I just want to keep pushing that forward, really, and put on the best shows that I can. When I match a show, I want I want the fights to be good, and that's that's the that's always been the most important thing to me. And then obviously I fit everything else around that. It's no good having a, a great venue, but having chip fights. I want to have the good the good fights first, and then I can work everything around that. And that's what my priority is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just before we move on, just want to make everyone aware that we will be speaking to um, a lot of local fighters leading up to this card. Um, you will be on our YouTube um, just to make people aware of that. Um, but the, the next question then is. Um, Mentioned that card, there's a ton of great matchups. Um, but if someone was to say to you, What three fights shouldn't I miss? What what ones would you point out? I know that's so hard because there's a lot of great mm. matchups on the card, but okay, put me on the spot. So I'm gonna go from <laughs> which is I'm all right with by the way. I'm gonna go from memory, things that are jumping out to me as it as we're sitting here now. So uh, I'm gonna single out one of the pro fights and I'm gonna single out Marlon Jones and Mitch Dobbins. Uh, Marlon's obviously from Expire, I know you, you'll obviously know who he is. Mitch Dobbins is from SBG South Shields, which is under head coach Alex Anland, who, of course, you know, fought Cage Warriors, was was contracted to fight UFC, but uh, but that didn't come through. Uh, but he's well known on the UK scene. So they're, they're two big prospects. They've got big amateur records and they're both jumped in at the deep end, you know, so which which is which is great. Uh, and then I've got a strange situation with the lightweight title. So... We've got a lightweight title fight and, a, and an interim title fight. And, you know, the reason we did that was because of uh, the champion being injured uh, and missing his deadline to be cleared. And then so I booked an interim and then he's basically come back and said, I can fight. So we've ended up booking that as well. It's not ideal, but it's done. But the the, out, the, sh- the outcome of that, which has been good, is that I've got two good fights out of it. So yeah. we've got Teddy Stringer versus Tieran Lockwood. I mean, Teddy's well known. You know, he's a former UKFC champion. Uh, he's he's a, one of the representatives for England when they go over and do the Worlds. And uh, he fought against the number one ranked amateur in the world with a broken hand and basically put, put up a real good fight. Everyone was really impressed with him over there. Uh, Tiernan fights out at Team Calbon, 6-0. and 
which is a hell of a record. <clears throat> Obviously, he's training with people like Darren Till, Mike Grundy, Tom Aspinall, you know, all three mega stars, it's fair to say. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a, a fight that I'm really excited about. And then you've got Curtis Campbell, probably the the most informed amateur in the country, I think it's fair to say. I still think yeah. George is, is number one, but I think Curtis is the most informed in the country. Picked up multiple bouts on multiple shows, including UKFC and FCC. Still hasn't got that AFC bout, which I know is something that he wants, so he's coming for that. And he's fighting Kyle Jones. Um, Kyle was a number one contender for two years, but obviously due to pandemic, you know, he basically sat there waiting for his shot. Which is, and he was due it to get this time. Uh, he's he's five and now. I kind of feel like he's still under the radar a little bit because he's not as outspoken or as vocal as someone like Curtis um, and Tieran and Tieran. And, and and you know, even Teddy's been quite active. But Kyle's last fight was a big knockout against a, a, a guy from a, a Sheffield Shoot Fighter, which is in a solid gym. So I think that's going to be a really interesting fight. We know what Curtis likes to do. He likes to come in uh, similar style, style to George Staines. You know, he shuts you down and he beats you up. Uh, and he does it extremely well. But Kyle has got has got one punch power, which you don't always see, yeah, uh, yeah. especially you know at the at the not the smaller weight classes, but you know at the at the at a lightweight class, you don't always get the one punch power. And he's got that. So I think if you put me on the spot and going on memory, they're the, they're the three fights that are jumping out to me. Yeah, all all very intriguing fights, and um, we will be having having Kyle and Kurt on uh, in the near future. So. We'll get to get to speak to them as well. Yeah, very intriguing matchups. Yeah, the uh, yeah you've done well there. <laughs> like <I> said, <laughs> a, a lot of great fights on the card. So uh, to pick three, we we asked you to do it because we couldn't pick three ourselves. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so obviously, like you mentioned, the show on the second is coming from the Olympia again. Um, how important is it to have a good relationship with venues such as the Olympia when it comes to like the logistics? the shows is that always plain sailing or is the obstacles you've always got to sort of overcome uh it's important to have a good relationship uh with, with the venue um it, you know depending on what our relationship is depending on what obstacles you're going to come up against i mean we've done this will be our fourth show now at the olympia uh working with chris who you know he's great to work with he's straight down the line there's no messing around with him you, you know where you are you know you know where you stand but if you're fair he's fair and i think there's just something special about Liverpool because of the uh, history with with the UFC, uh, with the amount of quality gyms in Liverpool. I mean, I've been and done shows in other cities, and we've had good shows in there. What you don't get from that from those cities is the amount of fighters that are local. Like I can do a show in Barnsley, for example, and the shows in Barnsley are fantastic. Uh, but we've got two gyms in Barnsley, where I do a show in Liverpool. Well, obviously, Liverpool's a lot bigger than Barnsley because Barnsley is you know is, is a kind of a smaller bit outside of Sheffield, but Liverpool's a lot bigger than Barnsley. We've got like six or seven gyms from Liverpool. When you get the fighters coming through from there, then you, you, you're just guaranteed to get numbers through the door because, you know, if if you know somebody who's fighting and you live in Liverpool, you're going to go and watch it because it's local. Mm-hmm. Where if your friend from Liverpool's fighting 150 miles away, it's a bit harder for you to get to. Uh, so that's, you know, so it, it adds to the atmosphere as well. But yeah, I've, I, think, I think with Liverpool, rather than the venue, the venue is pretty straightforward to be fair, but what makes... Liverpool special in particular is the is the, the amount of local gyms that we get on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. definitely yeah. A lot of, I think a lot you of could um, you could probably describe Liverpool as as, some, as a bit of a fighting city as well. To Absolutely, be fair, I mean, yeah. everybody is into some kind of fighting in Liverpool, <laughs> just as a fan, whether it's MMA or even boxing. Uh, yeah. The heritage that comes out of Liverpool is is amazing. So. It, it's always been a passion, I think, in the city, and that's why you do have so many 
great gyms here. We're, we're very fortunate to to have so many gyms to that we can work with, and you know that helps you put on great shows. Yeah, absolutely. Liverpool special. There's no doubt. Um. So, for you, then, what what's the most challenging aspect of putting on your shows? Like, I can imagine, like, people would think it's a easy thing to do, but I'm guessing that's so far from the truth. I mean, would you uh, agree with that? No, I, I think the, the the thing that people are always going to get stressed about. I mean, the logistics the, the logistics for each show is the same. So, I've literally got a skeleton crew of staff or a, a main core of staff, basically, and they they. They will work, they'll be opted to work every show. And if they're not available, bring someone to cover all. But as long as you've got the right staff in the right places, they'll sort out the running for you on the day. So that's all in place. I mean, everyone always says about how well our shows run. That's because of all the organisation before and because all my staff know what they've got to do. Uh, I must, and I use good staff as well. I use proper staff. So that, that's that side. The most stressful thing is always going to be, well, two, two areas really. One is, um, is pullouts. I mean, every promoter will say the same. Pullouts is, is horrible. Because you, you you know you, you you might be looking at a show because so, sometimes the, the 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 business side of the show obviously the, the sales side of the show and making enough money to cover the show that can be borderline sometimes if you lose a ticket seller uh, or he pulls out or his opponent pulls out it puts quite a bit of pressure on you then because you've obviously lost revenue coming in because even no matter how and I always say the same no matter how good my show is and my show is good people don't come to watch my show they come to watch their friend fight so. Uh, say we'll use Curtis as an example Curtis Campbell he's a you know a big fighter in Liverpool uh, I know he's took a few tickets so say he sells 50 tickets I'm just using that as a rough number it's just a, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he sells 50 tickets now all those 50 people will come to watch Curtis fight and they'll watch other fights there but if Curtis wasn't fighting they wouldn't be there so if Curtis pulls out of the fight for whatever reason or his opponent does all of a sudden those 50 people aren't coming anymore so that that's the that's the one area it's that side the other side is is not knowing what tickets you've sold until the day because again, people buy tickets via the fighters and not via uh, via me. Uh, I can message fighters and they can tell me what they've sold, but some some fighters will not always be honest with you, or some fighters won't respond. So you never actually really know what you've done until the day. I can forecast, and I always have a rough idea of where I am. Yeah, you never know exactly. Uh, and I know some shows do online, but I've tried that and I didn't. I, 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 that didn't work for me anyway. Uh, but yeah, so that's what they're probably the two biggest areas: is your pullouts and not knowing what tickets you've sold until the day. Because even whether you've sold the tickets or not, you still need to make sure everyone gets paid. And you obviously, if, if you haven't sold tickets, then you've got to, you've got to find that money elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And as you, as you mentioned there, you've got, got great staff. I know when I've been there, you've got staff working with the fighters to sort of the tickets and their, their, their expenses as well. So, yeah, no, you've got, yeah, you've got, I've got great staff that. there. Yeah. Um, so, you have good relationships with Adam Tay. And Jake Cross, uh, when you look at other organisations higher up, like UFC and Bellator, um, there seems to be a lot of competition. Is it because you all have a similar goal in promoting UK MMA that these relationships flourish? Do you think? Uh, I think it varies from promoter to promoter because I've got good relationships with some promoters, but I've had I've had bad runnings with other promoters. So I think it depends on promoter to promoter. Uh, some promoters uh, are, quite, are, quite, are quite happy to talk, <laughs> chat. Uh, and and we can talk to them and say, oh, I, you know, for example, how much are you paying for this? And we can share information. Some pro- other promoters are quite guarded. Hi. <laughs> Did they always do this? Race? Yeah, this, this is a regular occasion. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the promoters are quite guarded, so I try and hey, come on, mate. I try and build yeah. a relationship with, with all the promoters, uh, and I'll, you know. It, 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 if you can, I'll speak to them, whatever. But it, it, it depends from promoter to promoter. Some 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 are some aren't. I've had some 
pretty public fallout with promoters, uh, especially when I went up northeast. I had quite a few fallout with me. Uh, but if, the thing is, if you, you, you've got to be really careful because you, I, I'll never ever want to fall out or upset anybody. It's not my intention. But at the same time, you can't be bending over backwards to, to do everything for everyone else because when no, the push short, no one's going to do that for you. And it, it's a bit harsh sometimes, but you, sometimes you've got to be a little bit ruthless. And I'm not by nature a ruthless person. But sometimes you've got to be a little bit ruthless and a little bit selfish. Yeah, I mean, we we've had sort of experience with um, other other venues and other shows that we've been invited to where they've, um, it hasn't been as smooth as they've liked. Like we haven't been able to go down and speak to the fighters or anything like that. And I know Keaton's obviously been um, at one of the Almighty shows in the past, and we know that that isn't an issue with you. So it's it is it can be obviously like you say you've got to look out for. You've got to look out for Almighty's best interests and you've got to do what's best for the company while also maintaining them relationships. So, obviously, I can imagine it's not always going to be as smooth as you'd like it, but I suppose that's just what comes with the with the gig, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's part and parcel. I mean, with regards to people coming to the shows to do media, so the way I look at it is if you've asked me to do media and I've said yes, it would seem silly t- for me to let you in and then restrict what you can do. And obviously as well, there's nothing really that I'm going to want to, there's nothing really I need to hide on the day. So if you, you know, I always say, like I know Kieran been to the show. So I always say some media want to sit at the side of the cage and watch all the fights and do it from there, that's fine. Some want to do interviews out the back. I don't actually mind which ones you want to do. Uh, but I would never say you can't do this or you can't do that because that just, for me, defeats the object of what you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, that, And that's absolutely. not just the way I have other media outlets as well. It's the same for them. But what's, what's the point of me saying yes and then tying your hands? I might as well just say no. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so that, that's how I view it anyway. But I've been where you guys are. I've done media, uh, and I've been to, to shows and stuff. So I, I, maybe I understand it because I've been I've been on, in the other, on the other side of it as well. But yeah, I mean, like I say, I, when Kieran came, I just said, you know, I gave him a staff wristband like I do for the media, and you just go where you, where you need to go. Then that's fine. Yeah. That's that's how it works for me. And um, what what advice would would you give to other media that that are starting out that started where where you you was? Uh, I don't really feel I'd be in a position to give advice, really, because I didn't really... I seem to do quite a lot in a short space of time, but I don't know if it was just right time, right you know, right place, right time. When I was doing my podcast, I don't really remember there being any other podcasts around in the UK. I'm pretty much sure I was pretty much probably the only one of the only people doing it. There weren't many around, and there was certainly no one doing what I was doing, the level I was doing it, with getting the, 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 the high-caliber names in the, in the amount I was getting. I mean, I, I was very blessed but I was getting media credentials for UFC as well so I was case at UFC events as well so I was, for me I was living the dream but I think again I just think obviously MMA is becoming more and more popular which is which is what we all want to see but I was kind of getting in at a time when it, it was it was still it was known but I'm talking pre Colin McGregor yeah. people mm-hmm. didn't know it like they know it now I mean I was actually in Sweden when McGregor made his UFC debut and met him before the fight I was in the fight hotel so I was there before it kind of exploded, before he before he brought on all these extra numbers that he did. I think it's harder now because there's more doing it, if that makes sense. Well, I'm yeah, pretty much yeah. sure I was the only one doing a podcast back then where, when I was doing it. I'm going back 10 years now, but I don't think there's any, anyone else around doing it. Yeah. No, I, mean, I think even now the numbers for like, in the UK anyway, they're not, they're not amazing for the t- people doing podcasts and things like that. I mean... For a while, we thought we were the only ones out of Liverpool doing it. <laughs> and then we, we found uh, Mike Owens. Shout out yeah. to him. But, um, so the numbers still aren't great, but there's certainly a lot more competition. But I think th- it's made the community better in terms of 
you know, fighters are so open to to doing these kind of things, even still now to this day. Um, even some of your bigger names are, are so open to things like this. And I think it's obviously helping, well, the bigger names are obviously helping us more than it's helping them, but it's still it's still a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way to look at it. Just I always kind of did did what I could and then uh, just enjoyed what I was able to do and not worry about what I didn't. I mean, what, I, what one of the things I used to do was after each UFC event, I was on. I was used to use Twitter, and I used to message all the winners off the fight card. So you say there'd be twelve fights, I'd message twelve winners. Now what I would find is the top end of the card would never reply, but the bottom end of the card they were replying. So I'd, I'd get like five or six interviews out of that, and I'd just do a show interviewing the five winners from USC from last weekend. So it was quite relevant still. But I just I never worried about the ones that didn't get back to me. I just focused on the ones that did, and just kind of went with went with it like that, and that worked quite well. And every now and then you get a surprise, you get a, a big name that you wouldn't expect. Uh, to, to reply and you got to interview them so I mean I was I was lucky I got to interview some brilliant names there's such a long list of of people that I've interviewed uh, so I was very lucky really yeah I mean even going back to the, the podcast there there's, there's even a lot of podcasts that support each other you know because again I think it comes back to you have got the same passion for promoting the sport that a lot of them do do support each other as well I think I think that's an important part as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, uh, so the, the, the next one we've got then, um, so what I want to speak to you about, about Emma, um, the English MMA Association. Uh, now you've become a, affiliated with them. Um, yeah. How important is that for, for the local scene and promotions in general? And... Um, also, how might the scene look in a few years' time when Emma becomes affiliated with more shows? So what, what Emma are trying to do is they're trying to get MMA recognised as, as a sport in this country. So what that would help do is it would help with funding for amateur athletes when they go over and fight overseas. You know, like they do the Worlds and the Euros. So obviously they're looking into the, into the future, they're looking years ahead. But there's still a lot of practices going on in this country for MMA that isn't right whether it be not having the right medicals at the team, whether it be not running, not having the, not matching correctly, you know, not having the right officials. And there's been some real bad examples of that recently as well. So that's, um, so that's what they're trying to squeeze out. So they've obviously spoke to some shows that they feel are doing things correctly. Uh, and I'm one of those shows. I'm not the only one. There is other shows out there as well. Um, and we're, we're all on board with these standards that they want us to set. Uh, there's some standards that I'm already doing. There's some that I'd need to work towards, which 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 I will. Nothing major, but just things that are, I've never really been asked to do before, which we'd need to do to take to the next stage. But again, nothing major. But if they can, I, I like what they're trying to do. That's why I've got involved with them. Uh, you know, the main guy I've been dealing with is, is Paul Reed. He's been involved with mixed martial arts forever. Um, again, and probably probably know him he's from Liverpool, but he's a real good guy, and he's uh, all he ever wants to do is to do things correctly. Uh, and I know his shows he used to run were brilliant as well. And he was one of the main reasons I came. Well, he was the main reason I came to Liverpool. He's the one that got me into Liverpool when he stopped doing his shows. Uh, he put a good word in for me with, with Chris at, at Olympia and he took me on based on on Paul's words. So, yeah, so I want to be involved with that because I, I believe what they're doing is, is right and is good. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at. But if they can, if they can do what they want to do, what it will hopefully do is it will squeeze out these shows that are not doing things correctly. Uh, make it a, a better process for everybody that uh, that's involved. You know, get the the, the, the gyms, get the, the good gyms on board, get the, the the good shows on board, get the right the right officials, the right medical teams, etc., etc., etc. So, 
it, it, it's it's a long game really because there is so much about practicing the sport and because the sport's not sanctioned in any way you can literally pop up a show and it doesn't matter what you what you do in, in, in effect you can do whatever you want and I don't think it's as bad as what it used to be but there's still things that aren't being done correctly yeah even if it does take a while it's uh, a step in the right direction sort of thing yeah definitely it's all to do with with being uh, recognised as a sport and making sure that that because obviously the sport we do the sport we're involved in is dangerous mm. so we need to make it as safe as possible that's what we need to do we understand the dangers of two people fighting but at the same time we need to make sure there's the right officials in the cage to stop the fight when someone's had too many shots or is unconscious from a, from a choke or is about to get a, a joint broke from uh, from a, an arm lock you know we need to make sure that if any of that happens there's the right medics on, on site to deal with it and believe it or not that's not always the case and that's quite scary really especially when you've got like for my show for example with the youngest guy is 16 years old so if i've got two 16 year olds fighting <coughs> sorry and one of them does get knocked out we need to make sure that there's somebody there who can look after that person to make sure they're okay that there's no long-term not long-term damage to that person yeah and then well why, why do you think it is that um, I struggled to be recognised as a sport. Do you believe it's because of the original stigma that started that it's far too dangerous, or do you think there's numerous reasons for it? There's, I think probably the main reason is there's been no figurehead in this country for the sport. So if you think of like uh, Dana White and the UFC, he obviously went to uh, went and lobbied everywhere to get it recognised for what it was and get it sanctioned. Mm. He was obviously focusing on America, and he had yeah. to go from state to state to state to state. Because at one time, I think it was banned in somewhere like 48 states, or something stupid like that. You know, pretty much the whole of the US had banned it, and he turned it all the way around now, where it's, it's legal, I think, in all the states now. I think New York yeah, was one of the yeah. last ones. But if you think there's been no one like doing, doing that in this country, so, and the sport is still, it's still, you think, this, it, I mean, UFC was formed in 93, but it didn't really become under the rules till probably about 2000, 2001, which is when Zufa took over. So it's still a relatively young sport. And I just think there's been no one pushing for it in this country. So what they're doing now with Emma is they're kind of trying to do that. I mean, Cage Warriors did a big thing as well when they were able to get it recognised and sanctioned during the pandemic because they had to. They were recognised as a sport and they had to follow certain guidelines to be able to run the shows. So that would have been a big help. But there's, there's, we need people like that. So people like what Cage Warriors did and people like what the MMA are doing to get it politically recognised. Because at the minute, it's not. It's still not politically recognised as, as a sport. Yeah. Not in this country anyway. It is obviously in America, but not in this country. Yeah. Like I say, maybe the with Cage Warriors, with that happening with them, that can be the sort of catalyst that the sport needs um, to take it to that next level. Because like you say, if we can start getting the funding for these amateur fighters and, and everything, I mean, like we said, the level already is so high, but if we can start getting them real funding and real support, it, it's going to just be phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the next stage, isn't it? That's what absolutely. we want to be. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, so then, Ray, final question. Um, what's, your, what's your goal for the rest of the year for Almighty? So we've done um, two shows so far this year. At the start of the year, I set out, I wanted to do 12, which I've got, I've got, show, I've got 12 shows scheduled, uh, four in each area. So spreading them out three months apart. So my, my aim for now is to see how those, those shows go. I want us to keep, I mean, the start of the year has been great the end of last year the recognition I got at the end of last year was brilliant as well which was nice after not being able to do it for, for nearly for nearly two years because that was hard <coughs> for me personally uh, so yeah I just want us to keep going in the right direction keep doing what we're doing uh, and then 
play this year out, start looking at, and then start looking at, at, the, at the next year. But, you know, I'll, 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 I just want to keep, I want to keep seeing the show grow. I want to keep Almighty, I want Almighty to keep growing and growing and growing. And I think if I keep doing what I'm doing, what we're, what we're doing now with it, I think it will keep expanding. We're, I mean, the, the, the recognition we get after each show from and some of the people that I speak to, like people that I've looked up to for a long time, people I've seen compete in the UFC, people I've seen coach in the UFC, and they're saying these things about my show. You know, that makes me feel good. I want to just keep that going, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely think you, you, you're going to you're gonna see that, the, the increase in growth. Definitely, mate. Absolutely. Um, well, Ray, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we look forward to the show on April 2nd, as I'm sure everybody will. A lot of great fights to look forward to. It's going to be another fantastic show, and we really look forward to it. And thank, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for speaking to me. I appreciate it. No problem. Take it easy. And you. Bye. This is the greatest. I love it. It was super necessary. Just...